the number one piece of advice is you have to be adaptable. You have to be able to pivot and move fast. In And that's true with any entrepreneurial endeavor, but uh, especially right now in a COVID-related world and in, in, in real estate. So the question is this, how do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Today I get to interview Kyle Renke. Now, Kyle's with KW and the David Green team from Granite Bay, California, which is right up the road from where I used to live in, in California, where I still have a house for sale in Loomis. And, the, and I'm excited to get to talk to Kyle today. Kyle, thanks for coming on. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Aaron. You know, I think it was maybe 18 months ago, I saw you at, uh, it, was, it was pegged as an investor meetup. And it was at, a, at an Acton Academy, but it was like you guys just, it was at, at night for people just to come show up. And you guys were giving a pitch that said, this is reasons to invest in Sacramento. Here's things going on in downtown. Here's an example of a good investment over there. If you guys are interested in me finding you these properties, uh, you know, reach out. And I remember, you know, I went there and I, and I, and I watched your guys' presentation. I thought it was really good info. You know, I was a big investor at the time and it even made me think like, oh, maybe I should be, you know, looking for investments in downtown as Sacramento. At the time, I was only investing in other places. I'd kind of retired from the California investment world. Mm-hmm. And, but I didn't know that at that time you were a part-time agent. Yes. Right. And yep. now, and now as of end of 2020, how many, how many, what's going to be your gross volume by the end of this year? So end of 2020, I'm going to have about just under 25 million in gross volume, about 45 transactions. Okay, so 18 months ago, Kyle's a part-time agent and just getting started and hosting meetups to try to get a client. And it was a really well-done meetup and that's probably a whole different conversation later about you know different ways to get clients and because it was really just an ad value. It was a present, 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 make people excited about this. And hey, if you need a real estate agent, I'll be your agent. How did you go, tell, let's just talk about that transition. How did you go from part-time to full-time and 25 million in volume? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I'll definitely back up even a little bit before that because there was definitely some stepping stones that we had to line up along the way. So um, I'll, I'll kind of back up to when I graduated from college. So I graduated from college with two master's degrees and six figures of student loan debt. I, I was working in medical speech pathology, working in the hospital, helping people that have had you know, strokes, brain injuries, um, those types of things. And about a few years into my career, I realized that I didn't want to do that forever. I didn't see myself being a speech pathologist for the next uh, 20 or 30 years. And so I kind of wanted to, I was looking for a way out, looking for something different, but I was saddled down by heavy student loan debt. At that time, my wife and I had a big mortgage for a big house that we didn't need. We call it the big house. We had two kids at that time. So the first thing we actually had to do is get our finance. So that was back in about 2016. Okay. 
Yeah. And so we actually had to sell our house to put ourselves in a situation where we could start paying off our student loan debt. So the four of us, my wife and um, our two kids moved into a small halfplex, less than a thousand square feet in Loomis and uh, started paying off our student loan debt. That brought us up to about 2017, 2018. So it was around that time where David Green, uh, co-host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, you just had him here a couple of weeks ago. Um, he and I are best friends. We go way back. Um, we've known each other for 20 years. He was the best man in my wedding 15 years ago. So I, I was, know that. yeah. So I like to make the joke. I knew David before uh, when he had hair. Yeah. But, um, so he actually approached me. He knew I was looking for something different in my life as well. And so we sat down at a Starbucks. He showed me this big red book called The Millionaire Real Estate Agent by uh, Gary Keller. And he showed me what he was doing. He was just starting to make some traction in, in his career. And as a new real estate agent, he said, I want to start building these teams and I want you to help me build the one in Sacramento. So fast forward, end of 2018, beginning of 2019, that's where I got my license, started working part-time as a real estate agent and working part-time as a, or kind of part-time, full-time. I worked 32 hours a week at my W-2 job as a speech pathologist. So I was able to scale down a little bit because our finances were finally stable. Um, and so started working part-time, did about 12 transactions in 2019, and then at the end of 2019, that was when you saw us doing the, um, the meetup over at Acton Academy in Roseville, um, David was really urging me to make the jump into real estate full-time. Um, I was a little bit hesitant, a little bit nervous, felt like I needed some more time. But um, essentially, I left my job, put in my two weeks, and left my job on Friday the 13th, March 13th, 2020, go into my first uh, day at the job with David at my broker's office on March 16th on a Monday. At noon, my broker comes to me and says, hey, Kyle, you got to leave and you can't come back. And that was the day that all the counties were shutting down. And um, so I basically went home and, and basically became a real estate agent at that point full time and had no other uh, choice. I couldn't go back to my old job. And from there, it's, um, it's been a crazy year. That is, I talk about now that my team does so good working from home. Uh, but, and it's my like property management team and, and the employees of our businesses, but if they hadn't been trained in an office first, I worry that they wouldn't have gotten the skills. Like it's really tough to start from home and you are, and there's probably agents right now that are apprehensive of starting because they're like, Hey, I'm going to have to start from home. Can I be my own boss from home? What was that like? What, what were, what were some tips that made it work and what were some things that made it difficult? Yeah, it was definitely a transition at first to being able to to work at home. And I think this is something everybody's had to adjust to. But especially when you're moving into a new career, you're trying to establish new habits and you're trying to make sure you're doing really well at what you're doing. And so, um, and then obviously you've got kids at home and homeschooling. So it was definitely an adjustment. I, the first thing we had to do was we had to just warden off a certain portion of my office and say, this is exactly my area. Um, and I have to come here and this is a work area and that's all it's for. And then, um, especially with kids, the biggest thing that, that we did was, um, I would wake up earlier before the kids and that's where I can get most of my work done distraction free. Um, and then from there, it's been a little bit more easy and, a um, little bit, yeah, a little bit easier to attain that way for sure. Yeah. I think those are those are some hacks that you know if most people haven't learned yet this year they're they're great right like 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 waking up before the getting some distraction free work time in helps you know one of the gals that I interviewed she talks about making sure you know Kelly talks about making sure that her kids are are well fed 
right? So if she sits down and gives them a good meal, you know, then she can actually go get about an hour of work done because they're going to be, you know, they'll at least be like you know, settling down for a little bit uh, yeah. with that. And so we, we get to learn these. So everybody's made the transition of going from working in an office to working at home. You had an additional challenge of trying to learn a business, like learn a new business, learn a new job while, while working from home. And you had kind of been kind of been doing it, but just not as busy. So really interesting to have that happen. And then, so what was, what's it like right now in Granite Bay when it comes to what's open, what's not, what's life like, how are people feeling about, you know, about the market, about restaurants, everything? Yeah. So it's, it's very positive right now. So on the real estate side of things, people are super excited about the greater Sacramento area in general. So realtor.com just came out with an article a few weeks ago. Sacramento is predicted to be the number one city nationwide uh, metro area with the most growth in 2021. I saw that Um, that today. Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely have a lot of interest. Um, Obviously, you've heard all the stories about people moving out of California, right? But what you don't hear is there's a lot of people moving out of the Bay Area and they're just moving to Sacramento. If they're not moving out of state, they're moving out here. So um, there's a lot of interest from people that are migrating away from the city to a little bit more rural parts like Sacramento, um, and they can still keep their remote jobs. So the upside is great. Um, restaurants are definitely still closed down, but fortunately for us in real estate, um, we're still considered and deemed an essential service. So we're still able to show homes and list homes. And um, we just have to do it a little bit more carefully nowadays. Yeah. Cool. So these, I think Placer County has been a place where there, there is so much else. And I think that is one of the biggest factors. So what did it say in that article about why Sacramento was going to be, because I've been even saying it, like people are leaving San Francisco, moving up there. The reason we listed my Loomis house on the market was we said, hey, so many people from California are coming and they're buying or from San Francisco are essentially buying. We've got 10 acres and people are moving out of the cities wanting to have acres and they're paying way more than I think properties are worth. So the, as there, was there anything in the article that talked about that to be one of the cases driving Sacramento growth or what were the things they said were going to do that? That was primarily it. Healthcare is a big thing here as well. Um, so healthcare is definitely expanding. You have the stable government jobs that a lot of um, that aren't really going anywhere. And then in addition to that, you have all the new tech jobs and the people that are moving out this direction and keeping their homes. And it really it just comes down to affordability. That's the biggest thing. And so um, the the prices here are much more palatable than they are in the Bay Area. So people look and they can see what they can buy out in this area. Whether you're an investor, a house hacker. Um, or just a first-time home buyer, it makes more sense for a lot of people to move out this direction because they look at the prices and they say, wow, this is much more affordable. I can get this much more for my house. Yeah. Yeah. What, a, what, a, what an interesting time with that. Affordability is key. I mean, that's been what's been driving all sorts of growth. Like people used to live inside cities because it was, so they wouldn't have to commute. So they'd be close to where their work was. They would pay more to live there, but they would pay less on commuting and gas and, you know, you get that amenity bonus. So the, the, you know, the cost of living is really what's driving everything right now, especially now that people can work in, in more, more often than not in jobs, people can work from home now. And if you can work from home, then you can choose to live where it's just a little bit more affordable, especially if we're not commuting. We're not, we're not driving for two hours in our day anymore. Podcast listens have been way down this year because of that, because less people are, are in their car and people love to listen to podcasts while they're in their car. You know, they love to, they love to, as they're on their drive home, turn on the podcast and listen to it. And the, when you've got kids jumping on you and chasing you, it's just less, less fun to sit down 
and listen to a podcast. So Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui with a quick commercial break from our sponsor, Rent Ready. Why do you invest in real estate? To retire early? To build your dream home? Start your own business? Whatever the reason, whatever the dream, Rent Ready can help you reach it. With Rent Ready's unlimited property management features, your real estate dreams are also unlimited. Rent Ready is landlord-tenant software that covers all of your real estate investing needs, including unlimited properties, tenants, and live customer support so you can start small and grow your business without increasing costs. You know, I've had plenty of subscriptions before where you get charged like per house that you own or per deal you've done. And what they're saying is, hey, it's gonna cost the same thing no matter what. Whether you have one house, 10 house, or 100 houses, they're not gonna penalize you when you grow and they're gonna help you grow. Rent Ready is a flat price and scalable for your needs. No need to shell out big bucks for multiple management softwares. With Rent Ready, they have everything you need all in one platform so you manage your rentals and grow your portfolio. As a special offer, you've heard it on here before, you can try Rent Ready for one year for only a buck, but wait, you have to use our code. Here is the code ROCKSTAR, R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R, and sign up for Rent Ready's annual plan at rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code ROCKSTAR to get Rent Ready for a year for just a buck. And if you want to learn more about Rent Ready or you want to learn more about Ryan, the CEO and founder of Rent Ready, go check out episode 939 where I interviewed him about why he created this, this platform and what they're doing next. So you've been in real estate for a short period of time. You became an agent full-time in March. What was your first deal like like, what was your first deal after starting in March? Did you already have some lined up? Did you have a couple months of a, of, of a delay? What was, what was it like? Yeah, so I actually, um, and this is probably not the case for most people, but I actually had seven houses in escrow when the pandemic hit and when I made the jump. So when I was told by my broker, you, you have to leave the office and you come, can't come back, I basically had two options at that point. I could either A, go home, curl up in a ball and, and just be super scared and, or you know go ask my boss and see if I can get my job back. Or B, um, which is the, the route I took, which was I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna do whatever I can to keep these transactions alive, right? Um, when, the, when the shutdowns first started, everybody started having knee-jerk reactions. Everybody started kind of panic selling or, or just, yeah. you know, a panic ensued. So my goal was to be the calm that I could to my sellers, my buyers that I had in contract at that point and to make it through the entire transaction. So I was calling listing agents. I was calling buyers agents. I was calling my clients every single day. I was calling the lenders just to make sure that everybody was feeling okay, reassuring them, calming them down that, hey, there's there's nothing huge going on here. We're going to make it through. I know this is scary because I had a lot of people at that time that wanted to, to back out of their transactions. They were nervous and they were scared. So that became my number one job was to help these people get through. And then we could kind of figure out, okay, what does it look like from here? And so a big part of that was leaning on David, our team leader, to help us come up with a vision and a strategy of how we wanted to pivot and move forward in the in this new uh, kind of this new economy. So, so you had seven in escrow when COVID hit. Yes, and did all did all seven close? They all closed. Yeah, that's that is imp- that is impressive. I think that's I think that was totally smart. Like when that first hit to go like, hey, instead of like I said, how did you get your first deal after that? And you said, hey, for we weren't focusing on on to get a deal. We're focusing on saving the ones that we had. So important. 
so important and so crucial, especially as some lenders stopped lending, you know, some yes. jumbo lo loans like stopped funding. Like there was a lot of stuff that got really crazy, really fast. And so when that first hit, being the calm in the storm when everybody else was there, because yeah, every people were cashing out their 401k, everything. It, it was uh -huh. just, how do we get ready for something that's going to be really crazy with that? And now those, I bet those buyers now, the ones that almost got cold feet, their houses are probably worth like 20 or 30% more than they bought them for in March, right? Oh, I get text messages all the time saying, I'm so glad that I was able to get through that. I'm so glad you helped me. Uh, you walked me off of the ledge at that point. And they're happy because it's less competitive. If they would have gotten out of the, the race at that point, gotten out of the market and then tried to buy something later, it would have been twice as competitive and they would have ended up paying even more. Yeah. I love just that, that idea of being like the calm for your customers in the middle of the storm. You know, the, the, the calm in your relationships to say, you know, we've, we've said on here, that, you know, fear is contagious, you know, that, but, but so is hope. So is leadership. So is confidence. And so uh -huh. when you get to, to tell them, Hey, let's, let's stay the course and let's do this. So once you did reset or like, what are, so what are you doing now to get clients? Like, is it something where you just have plenty? What, what are the challenges and the things that are going right and wrong? Yeah. So um, right now, well, I'll, let me back up. So after we saved those seven transactions, from there it was, yeah, where, what's the path moving forward look like from here? A lot of where we had gotten our clients in the past were doing meetups with David, um, holding these in-person you know, uh, types of events with people. And obviously with COVID, you couldn't do that anymore. So a big part of what we did was switch to Zoom, switch to online. And that was really an opportunity for us to refine our buyer's consultations and our listing consultations. And so we really focused on, let's get really, really good at presentations. Let's get really, really good at Zoom. And so that was a big part of it. So I remember at one point, David had said, you know what, I'm just going to, what if we just gave a hundred listing consultations to people just for quote unquote practice, right? How many do you think we'd get out from that? And so that's kind of where our mind mindset shifted towards was how can we just focus on getting really, really good at you know, presenting ourselves online. And it's funny because with a lot of the people that I work with, uh, especially I work with a lot of Bay Area buyers, people that are either moving out here or they're investors and they're going to be non-occupied. And so it's not uncommon for me to meet somebody face-to-face -face in person, um, not until we have that home under contract and when we have it, when we meet them at the inspection. So that's usually the first time I meet clients right nowadays. And so, um, because we'll go through and we'll do video walkthroughs. So that was another thing, getting really good at doing video walkthroughs for buyers, sending them things because with how hot the market is, they can't get over here super quick to look at a property. Um, and so we have to use video to help with that. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So then it was like, well, let's just get really good at the skills that it's going to take now. So if listing presentations are going to be on Zoom now, let's make sure that we're really good at it. You know, if, if the, if there's going to be, there are so many virtual showings now where it's, you know, pre-showing and the, so you said be doing really good at that. What are some tips for doing your, you know, PowerPoint online listing presentation and what are some tips for virtual showings? I think the key is number one to, you really have to know 
who your audience is, who your client is. So for us and the buyers that we work with, uh, and, and they're coming from the Bay Area, I kind of know what they're looking for, right? From a general perspective, because a lot of them are looking for the same thing. And I know what they're looking for in an agent. They're looking for somebody who they can trust. They're looking for somebody who has really good market expertise. They're looking for somebody who knows about the areas that we would consider the path of progress. And they're really leaning on us for that information. And so that's a huge part of, of getting to know who they are. And they want to know somebody that can help them you know, run the numbers and, and analyze properties. But the other side too is, is sort of being a coach, right? And so being a coach is getting to know them and what their goals are, understanding what their why is. And so um, that's a big part of, of these Zoom presentations is really my job is not to talk um, and, and sell them anything. My job is to really get to know their goals, figure out what their driving motivating factors are, and then help them reach their goal based on um, what, the, what they want to help them you know, reach it. So that's, that's a big part in terms of just getting to know them and what makes them tick and then helping them reach those goals. Yeah. When you said you know what people want, I was going to ask you, well how, do, how, well, how do you know what they want? And, the, and, and you'd, you'd answered that already just by saying you actually just ask them. So that first presentation is you're just asking them, Hey, what's important? Where are you going to get here? I mean, that's always been part of real estate is, you know, is making sure that you're actually finding them the house that they want. But now real estate is a a new experience. Some people may say, Hey, I want to show as many houses. I want to go see as many houses as I can in person. And someone else may say, Hey, I don't want to see very many in person. I want you to do the virtual showings first, and then I'll just come see you know, the ones that are really good. Uh, so, you know, help because it's different because now there are options. There are five or six different ways to do a real estate transaction today. And there weren't as many before, or maybe they were always there, but they just weren't quite as acceptable, right? Like virtual showings, like, yeah, I kind of remember a couple virtual showings a few years back, mostly when military was moving, you know, to a new place sight unseen, but technology didn't even really allow it. So it'd be a lot of like, you know, agents would go see the stuff with the pictures and say, yeah, this is good. I hope you like it. And now there's um, all, all sorts of you know, 3D tours and pictures and everything else as people get to figure out the new way to do it. So when you're doing the virtual showing, the, is, there a, is there a key to that? So somebody says, hey, go look at this property for me. The, what, are your, what are your tips and experience with that? So the first thing is we have to be able to get out and see that property as soon as possible. Because in this market, if you wait a day or two, that house could potentially be be gone. It could be off the market. It could go pending, go into contract. So there's a couple things that we do. The first thing we always do is we call the agent first to make sure that there aren't any other offers on that property. Um, or if there are, we want to know when the offer deadline is because we don't want to waste our time and our energy and our effort to go out there to see these homes, to take some videos of it where it, it's already kind of going to go into contract you know, in the next hour or so. Yeah. So we try to do as much due diligence up front as as much as we can. And that's where COVID has really helped because you do have the virtual tours, you do have uh, Google satellite views, you have the Google street views. And so we encourage not only our buyers to do this, but we'll do it ourselves to try to do as much due diligence up front. So, because a lot of times we can rule out if this is a, a, a solid property, if this is a contender for this, um, for this client, but we also want to make sure that they have a chance of getting this house if they are interested in it. So we try to rule out the house first. Then what we do when we go out to take the video of the property, what I'll do is I'll talk to the clients and I'll, I'll have my voice as I'm walking through. And what I found is 
clients don't want to be sold a property. They want to be educated on the status of that property and if it fits what they're looking for. So I will, I'll make sure if I point out, hey, there's you know some dry rot here or, hey, here's some stains in the carpet, right? Because I don't want to necessarily try to make it look like it's in this great, you know, great, great light and make it look like it better like it's better than it is my goal is to give them a reasonable view of that property so that when they come to check it out after they get it in contract they're not surprised and they don't feel like they've been sold this limit or had this bait and switch they actually say a lot of our clients will say hey this actually is exactly it looks exactly like we saw in the video that she sent us and so that's usually what we try to do so there's no huge surprises um, when they first view the property for the first time and do you record the video and send it to them or do you do it with them on the phone so they can ask questions? A little bit of both. So if if they're at work and they can't do it, then we'll definitely do like a pre-recorded and send it over to them. And then if they and it's not uncommon for us to maybe go out to three properties in one day and then we'll take videos of all three and then put it all up in a Google Drive and then they get to watch them all. Um, and they love to go back and they'll watch it all the time. They'll watch it three or four times because after a while, once they get it under contract, they want to go look at it again and say, okay, well, what does this house that look that I'm buying actually look like? Oh yeah. When, when people are in escrow, then it's like, they look at the virtual tours every day and it becomes yeah. the, the picture of the pictures of the houses look more beautiful than they do in person. A, a lot yeah. of the time, like just the lighting, the everything, the way that it, it catches. And I think the, you make a good point about being able to research so much about the listing ahead of time. We've always been able to do that, but like spending a day looking at houses used to be a fun experience. It would be like, hey, there's these 10 houses. Can we go see all 10 of these? You know, Diego, my agent in Austin, I mean, poor guy showed me and my, my wife and kids probably 50 houses. Mm-hmm. And one, it was like over, you know, a couple of different weeks we saw one and it was the, the year prior. And then we had flown out again to try to lock them in. And by that time they had sold. And so then we just hey, took some time off and then went out again. He had showed us so many houses so many times, but there are so, but, but so many of them, right? We could have actually ruled out just from a Google Maps view, just from a Google Street view. You get caught up when you're looking through so many listings to go, okay, this one's great. This one's great. This one's great. But now, but now, yes, time is more valuable. Now it's more difficult to do a showing. It's just not quite as easy to go see you know, mm-hmm. 10 houses in a day or five houses in a day. It just takes so much extra effort that it's making people say, hey, make sure that, you, that it's got a chance before you show up. Don't just, you know, it's not going to be, let's just go for the heck of it. Are the are they doing open houses at all uh, in Granite Bay now? So we we aren't doing any open houses per se. So they'll do kind of a mock. They'll do virtual open houses where the listing agent will be out at the property and then do like some video tours. The only other type of open house that I've seen is really just blocked periods of time. So it'll be on Saturday from 10 to two, but the buyer's agent still has to make a, uh, has to make an appointment. And then you have to be able to go out there um, within that time frame. So they're still separating parties. You can't all go into the property at the same time. Yeah. Different world. What do you think? What's your 2021 predictions? I think 2021 is going to be a, as, as long as the interest rates remain low. Um, I'm thinking that 2021 is going to be a great year, especially here in Sacramento. I feel like Sacramento is somewhat insulated from major issues just because we do have a pretty strong uh, infrastructure out here. So I'm thinking 2021 is going to be very similar to 2020. If anything, I think a lot more people are starting to move out. So we're, we're prepared and we're ready to go and um, we're excited about it. Yeah. What's your number one piece of advice for real estate agents to succeed in today's market? I, I would say the, the number one piece of advice is you have to be 
adaptable. You have to be able to pivot and move fast. Um, in and, and that's true with any entrepreneurial endeavor, but uh, especially right now in a COVID-related world and in, in, and in real estate. Had I come in with the fixed mindset of, okay, all I have to do is come into my broker's office and sit and learn and everything will come to me, um, I would be, I would not have been at the place of where I'm at today with relative success. Um, and so I had to quickly think and, and take action on these are the items that I have to focus on in my life. I have to focus on, you know, at first it was getting those clients through the escrow, but then secondly, it was, okay, how can I help new people in this world? And so that's a big part is just understanding where you're at and being able to move quickly and move fast. Yeah. No, that is that is good good advice. The you know, being able to stay stay adaptable and not have that because things are going to happen. Like there's going to something is going to surprise us next week, next month. Something that really puts a big wrench in the way that we do business. And when they yeah. say like, "Hey, there's no open houses anymore," you can either say, "Oh man, that my whole business was based on open houses. I don't know how I'm going to do it next," or you can say, "All right, how am I going to replace that?" Right, and being able to to quickly change the mindset and how you're doing becomes a, a big deal. So what about, so you've been an agent, you've only been an agent for a few years, but what is something that you've learned over the last couple of years that you wish you would have known on the first day? I probably wish I would. I, so if I would have known on the first day that a big part of this job is putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and taking action and, and just not being afraid of rejection, right? I think for a long time, I wanted to slowly move into to real estate. I wanted to dip one toe and then dip the other toe and mm-hmm. slowly get myself in. If I, if I would have just jumped in and given it everything I had, um, I probably would have seen success come a lot faster. And David and I were actually talking about this the other night. He said, Kyle, it took you about three, four months to make the jump. When I told you I wanted you to make the jump and you didn't make it. And he says, looking back, how much money do you think you left on the table from not making the jump? And I thought about it. I did some math and it was a pretty significant amount of money. And he's like, so you were actually trying to, you were so focused on avoiding risk and mitigating risk that you actually ended up hurting yourself by not taking action. And so that, that's probably, I wish I would have known that sooner in terms of if I would have just made the jump and not been afraid and, and you know, not a bit afraid of the risk, then I definitely could have been in a better position today probably than, than I am now. And I'd be a little bit further along. What are some of the most uncomfortable things you've done? So probably some of the most uncomfortable things that I've done is putting myself in situations where um, I can avoid um, rejection. So a big, big part for me is, you know, when I first got my real estate license, and I'm sure anybody who's just getting their real estate license right now, or if they've gotten it before, one of the first things you hear from all your friends and family is one of two things. Number one, oh, I know a ton of people that already have their license, which is their way of saying, hey, I already have an agent. Or number two, they'll say, oh, I already have an agent. So there's this, this thought and this feeling of I, how am I going to generate business if everybody else out there has a license, right? Yeah. Um, and so the way that I put myself in uncomfortable situations, I can remember when I first got my license and I was posting, you know, houses and things online, I would actually block certain people from seeing that because I was afraid that they would judge me for it or they would think, oh, he's, he's not going to be good at what he does. So I had a lot of fear. And so there was a point where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to lay it all out there and put it all out there and, you know, for the whole world to see. And so um, that was a big part is just not being afraid of what other people think about you, not being afraid of the judgment that can come with it. I think that's such a real fear 
that so many real estate agents have because a lot of people love real estate. They love the idea of buying and selling houses. They love the idea of, of making a deal. They love the idea of being able to analyze prices. They want to help people get into the house, but the, but they get nervous, but they get nervous socially, right? That they just, that it's just, they're not super comfortable going on blasting on, Hey, I'm a real estate agent now, or Hey, I'm this now the fear of, of like, you are not the only person that has made those posts. And actually I'm sure a lot of our listeners are like, yeah, I've done that. I've made the post and I've made so some people, some people couldn't see it because I didn't want them to say, Oh, this is some pipe dream or whatever else. But we talk about it so much. Like it's so important. People will not make the post because they feel like, Hey, everybody already knows I'm an agent or everybody already has an agent, but you need to stay top of mind. And social media seems to be one of the best ways to stay top of mind and letting everyone know, Hey, by the way, I'm an agent now, by the way, I'm an agent now. And Hey, check out this house. You have to remind people, we say if you're mailing a letter to a, a seller and the letter says, I want to buy your house or I want to be your agent, you've got to send like eight letters right? At, you know, to actually get a call back because of the eight you're going to send, they're going to throw four away. I, I, like I go through my junk mail. Yesterday, I got a companion certificate sent to me from American Airlines, right? Like free companion. I almost threw it away because I thought it was junk mail, right? <laughs> so like yeah. the, it was, you know, uh, $1,500 value. And it was almost in the trash because as it's coming, I'm like, oh, this is, this is a nothing. And then you open it and you're like, oh, that's this. That's what happens to mail. People just throw it away. The, they aren't looking at, it. so you got to send eight letters, yeah. you know, to be able to get that person out there. And so I think social media is the same thing. And the way social media works is if you make a post today, you know, 5% of the people that follow you will see it 10%. Like you could actually make the same post 10 days in a row and still only half or a quarter of the people will see it. And so it's, yep. it is important to get yourself out there and, you know, multiple times. The, you know, the fear of like, oh my gosh, people are going to think I'm always posting about this or I'm always posting about that. Sometimes you have to remember too that not everybody's going to see it. Not, you know, yeah. not, every, not even, even the people that are trying to follow you just because of the way that stuff works, only 10 or 15 or 20% will actually see it. So the, so 2021, what are your, so how many transactions did you do in 2020? So 2020, I'm going to end with 45. And what's the average sales price up there? Uh, we're at about 450. So 450. So are the, so knowing Placer County, is that mostly like Roseville, Rockland, Lincoln? Yeah. And I also extend a lot out into Sacramento County, El Dorado okay. County. So pretty much the entire greater Sacramento area is where we're serving right now. So 450 is, is that like the, the median price yes. for all like the Sacramento area? Cause there's yep. just, I guess, just like anywhere, right? There's five, 10, 15, $20 million homes. The, um, and there's, uh, is there still homes for, you know, two or 300,000 in Sacramento area? You can find some, some $200,000 homes, except those are going to be really, really competitive. And those are going to be mostly in your like D class neighborhoods. Okay. So yeah. rough areas, 200,000. It's a, it's a fixer getting something else. So you're staying right around 450. You get a lot of, a lot of places in that market. Are you mostly a listing agent or mostly a buyer's agent now? So I work heavily with buyers. Um, so I basically have three types of buyers that I'm working with right now. First is just your traditional buyer. Hey, I want to buy a house for my wife and kids. And they really just want to live in a house and they want to own a house. The second is what we work with uh, from the bigger pockets community, what we call house hackers. These are people who are going to live in a portion of their house and maybe rent out the rooms, um, rent out a portion of the house, or maybe buy a duplex, live in one side and rent out the other. 
And then the third type of uh, buyer that we work with right now is our investor clients. Um, and those are our non-occupied investors looking for solid areas and the path of progress where they can get some cash flow right away. Cool. Yeah. The, uh, and how do, you get, how do you get most of the buyer leads right now? So we get a lot through, uh, believe it or not, we're still getting people from the meetups that we held uh, a year ago. Um, wow. And so we've, we've built this community and this tribe in the Northern California market, both out in the Bay Area and in Sacramento, where these are people that we're calling on a weekly basis just to check in and see how they are. It's a really cool group of people because these are people who, when, when you call them, they're going to be happy that you called. They're going to be glad. They're going to want to talk. They're going to want to ask questions. They're going to, they're very engaged. Um, and so we've built relationships and a lot of these people have actually become really good friends of mine. And so that's been the, probably the biggest way. And then um, where a lot of my other clients have come is just from, you know, friends and family and my old coworkers. Um, I, it took a while when I was working at the hospital, everybody would say, oh, Kyle, he's a speech pathologist. And it took a while for that mind share and that identity to shift over to, oh, Kyle, he's the guy that I can ask for real estate related questions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, are you going to, so do you think virtual meetups are going to work for being able to get investor type clients the way you guys did before? I do. The challenge with the, the, I definitely believe they can bring some value and it's something that we're exploring. I think the challenge with uh, virtual meetups is you lose that face-to-face connection. Um, and that face-to-face connection is super important for um, binding that relationship early on and getting to know them. It's definitely an option. It's definitely a way to you know help get more people in your quote-unquote funnel, but um, it's it's not as authentic um, as a, of a medium as obviously in person. So we're looking for ways to maybe do some kind of distancing meetups. Um, and so that's something we're exploring here probably in Q1 of 2021. Yeah. I mean, if you have the right venue, there's got to be ways you can still do it, right? But the but it does change the whole, like people wanting to be able to shake your hand, like just to come up. Because at every one of the meetups, what happens is you present on stage or present at a restaurant or somewhere. And then afterward, everybody wants to come up and get a little bit of one-on-one time with you. Right. And they want to come up and say, hey, thank you. And that was it. And they want to shake your hand and they want to get pictures with you guys. They want to do the whole thing. And the and and yeah, there's got to be there's got to be some sort of a happy medium. People are meeting again. You know, we did our our GoBundance mastermind. The we're able to still do some meetups, but the but a lot of times like our big conference in, in Austin this year when they showed up, everybody had their own desk and all the desks were like 10 feet apart. So instead of you know, 40 guys getting together, they could have met in what used to be like a, I don't know, a 30 by 30 room. And now they're in a giant ballroom. So everybody can be spread out and do it. So there's, there's ways to do it. It takes more creativity. I would say it's probably more expensive right now, but maybe because venues aren't getting used at all. uh, Maybe, maybe it's not more expensive right now, but the, the venue you guys had before the, the, you know, shout out to our friend, Matt Boudreau at Acton Placer, uh, you know, up in, uh, up in Rockland, like the, his Acton Academy there, you know, great venue, great place for, for schools and things like that. And it was really fun to get to come see all of you guys out there. And so crazy to see what you've done since then. So now you're 45 transactions, you know, the, uh, you know, 25 million and the, and you're heading into next year, kind of on fire and ready to see what's next and ready to, to keep growing. So any last things you want to tell everybody, Kyle, what are some things they should be thinking about as they head into 2021? 
I would just say if you feel like you're at a place where um, you may you maybe feel stuck or you feel like you can't make any progress, that you definitely can't. Right. Uh, there's nothing wrong with taking a step back to help you move forward. Um, I had to take a lot of step backs by, you know, selling my house and moving into a halfplex. A lot of people at my age in their mid 30s with kids and a wife, they're not willing to do that. Right. They don't yeah. want it. They don't want people to see that they're taking a step back. But there's nothing wrong with taking a step back, especially if it helps you think about the future. So I would say if you're thinking about what you want to do in 2021, also think about what is 2022 and 23 and 24 and 25 and a decade from now look like? Because sometimes those tiny little step backs are really small in comparison to what you can do and accomplish in the next decade. So I'm definitely trying to take a much longer term view um, of my life and, and my goals and my business and my family, um, as opposed to just thinking about, you know, hey, here's what I'm going to do for the next quarter or for the next week or for the next month. Yeah. It's such good advice. Like it's not just about, especially right now, there are plenty of families out there. So like there's a lot of real estate people that are crushing it and a lot of people that aren't. And there's a lot of businesses that have no unemployment and a lot of businesses that do. And it is, it is much tougher as people are adults and they've had success before. It's really tough to have success and have it taken away and be willing to downsize. Mm-hmm. Right. And so being willing to say, Hey, we're going to downsize. We're going to take a couple steps back to get closer to our future. Because if we don't, our debt's going to get bigger. Our right. income, like our housing payment's not going to get down. The government's not going to save us with a bailout that if we keep not paying our rent, it's going to get there. Sometimes it's about, hey, what can we afford? What can we do? How can we do make the tough decision now to have a tough life right now? So that way, a year from now or two years from now, great advice. When I say, how, what are you thinking? What are you going to do for 2021? And you're saying, hey, people should be thinking about 2022, 2023, and 2024 also. Like maybe it's the year where you get to, you know, put your foot on the gas and you're crushing forward. And maybe it's the year where you say, hey, we need to, we need to cut some costs. We need to reinvent ourselves. We got to try a new business plan. So we'll be ready to hit the ground running after that. Kyle, thanks for coming on. If people want to reach out to you, if they've got questions about stuff they want to learn about, you know, real estate or how you're doing or any of your other stuff, how can people reach you? Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been great. Um, the Probably the best way to reach me is Instagram at Kyle Ranke um, or Facebook. I'm, all, I'm on both of those the most at that's also Kyle Ranke on Facebook. Awesome. Kyle, thanks for coming on. The uh, I hope that you continue to have just an awesome 2021. And as this comes out, this probably comes out a couple of weeks after New Year's, but, the, but Kyle and I are talking with just a couple days left in 2020. And I am like Kyle, I am ready to hit 2021, hit the ground running, ready to, to just face the new year. I love the end of the year stuff. Some people are like, oh, yeah. hey, New Year's resolutions don't work or hey, you should always do it or don't wait till the end of the year. I don't care. It works for me. I see the new yep. calendar. I get excited. I get to say, hey, here's my new goals and here's what I'm going to do next. So the uh, let's all hit the ground running. Real Estate Rockstars, thank you for listening. Kyle, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Aaron. All right, Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. 
The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every punny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate, how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. And if you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our real estate rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.